Welcome to Double Dose of Raw Talk Podcast, your weekly dose of many discussions and opinions, a show where we get comfortable being uncomfortable. And remember, no topic is off limits. Now let's talk about it. Something about just feels refreshing. I don't know what it is, but it just happens. I used to have my desk on the other side and then it didn't feel good. So I brought it on this side. Right, right. I want to like change my room around, but... I'm a little bit concerned of what's going to happen with this right here. I, I am actually like, I'm like, I'm going to like throw myself off completely. So I don't know, but <laughs> all right, let's get started. So welcome back guys to another week and another episode on Double Dose of Raw Talk podcast. I'm your host, Misty. And today, uh, almost an entire year later of having met my guest in person. Okay. And I talked about this event a year ago. October 2021, if I remember, it was October 15th, I believe it was, Um, and it was for the Dream Lab, and I mentioned what that moment was for me. I mentioned it, and I I spoke on it a little bit on this episode. I still have the mirror you gave us as a gift, and it's funny because we're going we're gonna to highlight that on this episode. We are. It's so important to highlight this, this mirror um, and what it's meant for me and what it's done for me. And I'm going to try really hard to not get emotional and not cry. Um, but this is going to be raw talk here. I've kind of given hints to my guests, my, my listeners, I should say. But it, it's time to, to come through with, with keeping it raw, like I say here, right? Amen. Yeah. And so... A year ago, I was at a place, workplace environment. I recently switched out and I shared on this platform just how horrific that year in that place was for me. Hmm. Don't get me wrong. It was a great step up, which led to today's step up, right? But everything else was horrible. And when I first started that at that workplace environment, I had a little mini sode here where I said, the grass is not always greener. And this was like maybe like a month after or like two months after, right? And then come October, I go to the Dream Lab. And at the Dream Lab, meeting amazing, amazing women. Just Jesus Christ. Let let me tell you, let's just manifest right now that I'm going to be able to have several of the other ladies here on the show because it was just amazing. And I'm so bummed out. The Dream Lab is having the conference again this year. I'm bummed out. I can't make it. My cousin's getting married and it's that day. So I will be going to the wedding. I'm going to be on that IG story just trying to see what's going on. And I'm so proud of anyone who's going. And I don't know if there's still tickets available, but I will put the link in, in like the show notes. If anybody's interested, please go and check it out if you're in New York City. New York City, right? It is in New York City. Yes, it's in yes, New York. Yeah, New York City. Okay. So we're going to do a formal introduction. If my guest could please introduce herself. And then we're going to dive into how this story is so full circle for me and, and how significant my guest probably doesn't even know how she impacted me that day, and she's about to find out today. Will my guest please introduce herself? Wow, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Y'all, my name is Karina F. Daves. I am a life coach and a podcast host of One Day at a Time, and I love helping women get their lives back. I love working with moms, young people, um, people that have been married for decades. Um, I love just working with women and I really do feel that God has 
created me and put me on this earth to guide and help people, specifically women. Mm. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So a little bit of more backup background to this. Not backup, background. I said backup because I could hear like sirens and this was like the Bronx mindset in me that things was like everything is a backup when I, there's sirens outside. It's terrible. I know, but it is. What can I tell you? Um, so about a year ago, um, I started realizing that at that workplace environment, things were not healthy. And and you would ask yourself, well, Deezy, that was only couple of months after you started, why would you stay? Well, because in that moment, I really wanted to try. I really, really wanted to try. I wanted to make sure that I gave it my all and I tried as much as possible until I just couldn't anymore, right? I go to the Dream Lab conference, the Mastery Conference, I believe it was called. And, you know, there's amazing leaders, just to mention a couple others besides Karina, Katya Godman was there. Erica Cruz is there. Erica also has a podcast totally manifesting right now that I'm going to have her on the show too. Um, But when Karina came on, Karina hits us with probably one of the most deepest prayers I had in that moment. And she helped us go into the little goodie bag and see this mirror. And that mirror was supposed to be a reminder to ourselves. And from the moment I got that mirror, and after you you gave us that prayer for all of us, um, I cried. It was probably one of the deepest prayers I needed in that moment as someone who was trying since well over a year ago, come back to her faith and just believing in the highest power. And it just touched my soul so much. And I realized that every single day that I went into this job and I kept looking at myself in the mirror, I was not myself. And now that I'm in this new job, that mirror is still with me. That mirror is right in front of my desk. And I am able to so naturally look at myself in the mirror and say, yeah, this is you. This is what you were meant for. And I'm able to continue giving myself that pep talk. I'm able to still look at myself in the eyes and say, you were meant for this. You are going to be okay. You are strong. You are badass. Like, there was so much impact to what that moment was for me um, between you praying for us. You, you, you had, first of all, she did a little dance before that too. I just want to give a shout out to Karina. That because it is hard to get down in heels and doing all this stuff and outfits and all that. And Karina gave us a whole little dance too. And I loved it. But in that moment with that prayer, I just don't know if you knew just how much I personally needed. And I'm sure others in that crowd needed it too. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and it meant everything for me. So yeah. first and foremost, I want to thank you for that because I've kept that mirror and that prayer with me for almost an entire year and it's going to stay with me. And it just made such a huge, positive, motivating impact in my life. And I have to give wow. you thanks for that. Wow, Daisy. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Sometimes I think that like, God really puts stuff on our hearts. And, you know, to be honest with you, half the time I don't know who I'm praying for. I just know that the Holy Spirit wants me to pray for something mm-hmm. and that it will help and honor people in the room. And um, it's just so, like, beautiful to see that come full circle. Um, so thank you for that. That's crazy. And that mirror said, put yourself first. And I remember telling people, like, I know that 
Most of us are moms and have children, and we have been raised to put ourselves last. But what I want to remind you of is that if you don't put yourself first, then everybody gets the last of you anyways. Mm -hmm. And so you need to put yourself first so everybody can get the first of you. And I know it sounds corny and I know it sounds crazy, but it's true because if I don't put myself first, then my kid gets the like 50% of me. You know, they don't get the 100% filled up person that did everything necessary. I'll give you a really small example. So right now, um, my back hurts. Like I've had this like back issue for about like three weeks now and I hate it because I never have – like aches or anything and it started a couple weeks ago and I'm the type of person that when something hurts like I call everybody so I went I got a massage then I went and I got uh, I saw a physical therapist and then um I was like oh it's still hurting and then um this week I booked a chiropractor appointment and if that doesn't work then I'm gonna go and get some images but right now you know I'm doing all those things because one of the things that my my two-year-old still, and he's two, he still likes to be picked up. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, but I can't really pick him up that much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm trying all of these things to put myself first so that I can pick him up. And I know it sounds so cheesy, but it's true. Like, and I look at him and I'm like, my back hurts right now. I can't pick you up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he looks at me like, what's wrong with you? And I'm right. like, I'm serious. I can't pick you up right now. Um, but I need to take care of myself first. So that I can come back to my family for a circle and obviously like not be in pain and all those other things. But I do think about I do think about them. And I think that sometimes as women, especially moms, we think that by putting ourselves first, it means that our kids and our partners and everybody else comes last. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I it's so funny because I had known for quite some time, too, that if I'm not OK, my kids are going to be OK. But <clears throat> it was reassuring. When you spoke on that, it's it's reassuring when you kept emphasizing the need for us to think of ourselves, to put ourselves beforehand. It was, I believe, what helped me start opening up my eyes to a lot of things. And I was on this journey of learning how to set boundaries on multiple levels, right? On learning how to be a lot more protective of my space. I... I was working and and this is where it's a full circle moment because on that day, Naomi met you for the first time, I think face to face, Naomi, it is. And Naomi and I go way back. We're we're friends for quite some time. Um, And I was starting to work with her from a food and health coach perspective. And what was crazy was that was an attempt for me to put myself first. But because of everything else that I was not putting myself first, including the workplace environment, I was not taking care of me in my health or my wellness. Um, it got to the point where depression was a huge question. It came up again. Um, it got to the point where I was having physical symptoms, where a doctor sitting me down and she's like, we may need to discuss PCOS. I need to do some tests on you. And I'm like, what? like just looking at all these other factors and I didn't even realize that and so in really having a commitment to put me first in all boxes in all boxes and really sitting there having to 
evaluate this and 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 look at myself in that mirror and be like, no, you're playing yourself, Daisy. This is mm-mm. what are you doing? Like you're trying to mask this box here with these. You're trying to tell yourself, oh, this is checked off, so I can sacrifice this one. No, it matters. It makes such a huge difference when you can actually sit there and say, no, everything here, all these boxes right here, I'm checking off. Yes, it's me first. Yes, it's me first. Yes, it's me first. Yes. Because once all of that is me first, that kid that's looking at me and is seeing everything that I'm doing, and it's not, he's 15 now, guys. He called me out on myself. He said, I think it's time for you to change your job. You're not the same person. That's a problem, you know? And so wow. I get it when you say, you know, it's it's not being able to carry your child. That hurts. It does. It's not being able to be there for your kid, right? Because it's not just carrying him. It's he needs me in that moment, right? And I'm not able to be there in the moment in the way he needs me, right? And it's that feeling. Um, so I get it 100%. And again, um, this has been one, one of the most, <laughs> y'all, toughest, but one probably one of the most amazing years of my life. And the way this past month has gone for me, and I'm diving into this deeper in the Solita episode. So I hope y'all tune into that one. It's it's the one right before to this episode. The way this year has been for me, probably one of the toughest years of my life. Even worse, even tougher than a divorce year, custody battle year, even, even worse than that, even more intense than that. But probably the most rewarding and the one where I learned the most lessons. And I still wouldn't change a thing, to be honest with you. <laughs> Wow. I wouldn't. I wouldn't wouldn't at all. So I want to dive into the raw mess of the week. And that is uh, where we tend to highlight, you know, something that's going on in the world, um, whether I've seen it on social media, on the news, something a little bit relevant um, or related to some form of the topic we're going to discuss today. But also the fact, and I love that you mentioned this when you opened this up, you know, you said you don't know who you're praying for. But, you know, you feel that God has has sent you here with a purpose and shout out to God for that Um, because it came through a year ago. But you have no idea how much I needed that prayer that day. Like it was it was insane to me. Um, It was everything that I needed, I swear. Um, But there's something going on in the world right now. And I know, listen, we don't talk. I try my best to not talk politics here because. While I know and I'm accepting of everyone having their own opinions politically, I don't think everyone knows how to engage in conversation with that. And so I know how to engage in conversation with that, but not a lot a lot of people do. However, I do want to shine some light on something, and I'm going to call it the raw mess of the week because it's the raw truth of what still continues to happen in this world. Um, and it's messy in the sense that I was actually, su- I don't know if the right word is surprised, definitely disturbed. Because I feel that despite what your political stance is, I think first and foremost, we are all human and we can all just be a bit empathetic to certain situations that any human being might go through, right? I don't know what it is to be an immigrant going to a different country. I know my parents know that. I know my parents know what it is to come to this country and not know anyone or not know anything and just go straight into working, right? Governor Abbott in Texas has sent immigrants (laughs) by bus with lies of where they're going to go and they dropped off these immigrants who essentially were seeking asylum 
and they dropped them off right in front of the vice president's home with no guides. Yes, I, I followed this story a little bit this weekend. Um, no guides, no assistance. These these people have just been dropped off and they're by themselves. They have no one. They're seeking asylum. Let's just let's just put that all the way out there. Clearly, they've been given this right to enter. And some have arrived to Texas, some have arrived to Florida, I believe. Florida, or, or I think Florida's trying not to allow any of them in, right? But in Texas, Governor Abbott has decided, well, we're just going to send you off. Someone's going to be waiting there for you, blah, blah, blah. And that's not the case. And we have news coverage all over and so on. Shout out to AOC for calling a lot of these politicians out. Because one of the things I do believe wholeheartedly, and I've heard her say, is this is this is beyond politics, right? It's just about humans. And so for me, regardless of where I stand politically, I just don't know if I could ever have the heart to do that to someone. I just don't understand how someone can have that type of reasoning um, in, in that strategizing or decision-making from just a business standpoint to think that it's okay to just leave people who have never been in this country just in the street. And so I just wanted to highlight that a little bit. I'm passionate about just the topic of immigration alone, but I just wanted to take a little bit of if you've heard of it and what do you think about it? Um, not so much from the political standpoint, but more so from the human standpoint. What are your thoughts on that? So I don't have cable and that doesn't mean that I am not, you know, um, conscious of the things that are going on. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the, my main source is usually NPR. Um, mm. that's what I listen to, or that's what, um, that's what gives me the less stress. Yes. Um, I do feel like that is the news coverage that I've relied on for so many years, um, ever since graduate school because of the ways that they, um, just really deliver their stories. Mm -hmm. I can't really listen to Fox or, um, you know, CNN is okay. Um, mm -hmm. But those, the way that they deliver news is a little bit too fast and mm -hmm. too too much, like too much for me. Um, so um, I tend to rely on NPR. So no, I have not heard about this story. Mm -hmm. um, and as you mentioned, it is, it is heartless what they've mm -hmm. done. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and anything that has to do with immigration and in the way of people coming to this country really does um you know really does pierce my heart because i migrated to this country in the 90s and mm -hmm. you know um it's just like the way that we're treated is 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 so different i mean in good and bad mm -hmm. and yesterday my son attempted to steal a pokemon card <laughs> from the mall and he's seven and the conversation that we had with him was so different from I think a conversation that most parents would have to have with their child, you know, first we had this conversation with him that it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And then we had another conversation with him about how people like us, you have to be even more careful when you do bad things. Mm -hmm. Not to say that migrating to this country is anything bad, but we are significantly, history has proven that we are treated differently. I mean, when you think about the war on drugs in the 80s with mm. a large percentage of black men being 
incarcerated for the small amount of drugs on them versus everybody else in the time that they received. And then you fast forward 20 years after that, and the people that start having drugs on them look differently and Mm -hmm. now have connections and now have parents who are senators and now have parents who are judges. And now we have moved away from imprisoning, from putting people in prison uh, with drugs to now rehabilitation because Mm. the the demographic of people that are being caught more with drugs, you know, don't look like us mm-hmm. and have more privilege than us. And that's just one small example. I mean, we can get into a very deep example about women and women of color in the workplace. I mean, we are just historically treated differently when it comes to promotions, when it comes to anything. So yes, it is very heartless. And for me, I think that you know, my heart really does go out to a lot of these families. I don't think it, that it's the right thing to do. Um, and as cheesy as it sounds, you know, it's not the only thing I can do, which is pray. But I do believe in, you know, having, um, what's the word I want to use? Like having um, a buy-in in a lot of these areas by, if you see something, say something. If you see mm-hmm. something in an opportunity where you can support or you can donate, or you can be there, um, or you can sign a letter or write a letter, you know, you know, take the opportunity to, um, you know, take advantage of the small privilege that we do have in being able to advocate and do that. To take pride in saying is that I am making my contributions within my career space um, to what this looks like, because the truth is a lot of these families are coming over here to New York City. And so if there's any way I can, can I can give back, I'm doing so. But I, too, am looking for other ways that additional ways, I should say, um, to give back one way or another. Um, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned and I'm so sorry that happened. But it's I say it's funny because um, shout out to my little brother, Tito. We used to go shopping at Pathmark and for groceries. And Tito had this thing with always trying to sneak out the wrestling magazines. And because he wanted them and my dad used to say, I'm not paying this amount for paper. Like I'll pay you the pay-per-view show, but I'm not paying for paper. Like at least the pay-per-view show, we can all understand it. I can watch it. I know it's in English, but I know what's happening. I can't sit here and read this in English. Like my dad used to just flip out so much over magazine and Tito would like have these fits until like one day my parents told like a Pathmark person like my kid is trying to take this magazine out. I need you to stop him at the door. And they did that to him for him to like, you know, get shocked, get scared. Um, they did like a whole scene on him. And <laughs> my parents did this to him. Poor Tito. Yeah, Matito has probably been traumatized on so many levels. But also like shout out to Tito for trying to advocate for his literacy. <laughs> because if I were Tito, I would have explained to my dad that the magazine is evergreen. And that it would enhance my vocabulary Mm -hmm. and literacy skills and that this was something for me and not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I would have shared. (laughs) Shout out to Tito because pay-per-view is great, but like we're just all watching it and then we lose it. You know what I mean? But this evergreen form of literacy like is here forever and will enhance who I am. So shout out to Tito. 
I'm going to send that part. This part right here, I'm looking yes. at the Minimart. I'm going to yes. send it to my little brother so he can go downstairs <laughs> and then have a conversation with my parents because he likes to do this. Whenever something comes up, he'll go downstairs. He'll be like, you remember that time that you did this to me? Uh, do you remember this? Look, look at me now. He'll say things like that. So he doesn't let things go. Yes. He's a Leo. Shout out to he, Tito for yeah, advocating for his yes. literacy rights. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I remember that. And so I think there's always, again, just valuable lessons in those moments, right? Uh, but yes, to all of you, especially if you're living in a state where you may have found out that this is happening in and you do happen to know where these families are essentially being taken to then to, to find their formal home, right? The, where they can get the care that they need and and, and be stationed, let's say. Um, please find ways to help out um, from a human standpoint. I wanna, I wanna specify on that. This is not, I know it all revolves around politics, but the way we can look at it too doesn't just have to be political. And there's plenty to do here in New York City. So anyone who's interested, you know, please reach out to me. I'll definitely um, be able to gather some information. All right. So there goes our romance of the week. I want to go into our segment of As Raw As It Gets. And here I want to highlight finding yourself again. Because, I've, you know, as, we, as time goes by and we continue to grow and we're constantly evolving and whatnot, it's like we're constantly finding ourselves again, like the new person, the, our new, uh, uh, the newer version of ourselves, right? I don't like to say the better version of ourselves because sometimes I feel like that takes away from all the good, um, but the newer version of ourselves, right? Um, your story in particular, Karina, you've had downs. You've had ups, um, you share a lot with us. And, and I thank you so much for that. You also share um, a lot of advice and you're so raw with it. Um, just your lessons with your marriage too. And for me, that is so important because while I am a divorced woman. And while I go back and forth, sometimes I'm like, I'm never getting married again. Sometimes I'm like, no, if it's the right one, I'm definitely getting married again. Like I go back and forth. But one thing I do know for sure is that when I meet that partner of mine, I want to continue surrounding myself. And, and I've been doing it since with those lessons from couples to be able to keep that love around and, and remember what it's like to form part of something and someone's life too. Uh, because I don't want it to be a shocker for me. I don't want to find myself going through a second divorce. And I want to be fully aware of me and my actions and my behaviors and and so on. So I appreciate that from you as well, because you, you one thing about Karina, y'all, she keeps it all the way raw. I just want to say that. I appreciate that so much because some of y'all won't do that. <laughs> like Karina does. And some of y'all should go follow her so y'all can see how she does it. Yeah. And then some of y'all should take notes. I'm just saying. But tell me a little bit of what that looks like for you when it comes to your faith, your journey, those ups and downs. How has that looked like for you? Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, what's so interesting is that when I started out, um, you know, really just putting myself out there and I started my business and I started life coaching, I, um, you know, my main thing was working with women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, 
it was maybe like a couple months in that I was like, you know what, um, I need to start talking about my relationship. And one thing that I just do want to highlight is that we were um, probably eight years married at that point. And mm-hmm. God had instructed me to keep our relationship very private. And so mm-hmm. two years ago was actually the first time that people had really had an insight to my marriage, to its ups and downs, to its mm-hmm. to you know, the realness of it. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to share with you guys that like, if that is what you feel in your heart, or that is what God is calling you to do to keep your relationship private. And this does not, um, mean, you know, if your relationship is abusive or toxic, Mm -hmm. like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a healthy, um, uh, relationship and it's very private details that, you know, the world really doesn't need to know about. Um, until you feel ready to share. Mm -hmm. And so um, I got married, will be 10 years next month. Mm -hmm. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, this is the longest relationship I've ever been in. Um, (laughs) This is the hardest relationship. This is the hardest (laughs) relationship. This is the hardest relationship I've ever been in, um, but also the most fruitful. I've learned so much. I've changed so much. My husband tells me that he's been married to like 25 different Karinas um, and good and bad. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we were really young, um, 24, 25 when we got mm-hmm. married. And, um, you know, when people ask us, like, how did you know? Um, I just I just knew like I felt like I when I when I I prayed for my husband. And I felt like God really sent him and I didn't know how it was going to play out, but I knew that I was supposed to um, marry him. And so I did. We did. And, you know, we were broke uh, when we got married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had no money. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just starting my career. My husband um, at the time was, I think, like on his third or fourth year working for Nissan. Um, and we were living in this 700 foot square apartment in Jersey, in North Jersey, and we were young and I came from having divorced parents and my husband, um, you know, his parents are still very much married. Um, but you know, he talked, he, he talks a lot about how, you know, um, it's just difficult to have watched him. It's, it's, uh, may not have been the most healthiest marriage. And I think mm-hmm. that I just want to stop there and say that. There's a reel that I made about um, quality versus quantity. And I think that a lot of people will want to tell you that they have a lot of money, a lot of time put into their marriage and a lot of children. And I just want to remind you to not feel offended or judged by that because it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best. Just because you've been married for 25 years doesn't mean that like you have the best marriage or just because you have five kids and I have two doesn't mean that like you know more about being a mom than I do. Um, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so we got married. We were young. We were building our careers. And, you know, we just came from two different backgrounds and we didn't know what it was to be married. And I think we still don't know. And <laughs> and we've just made it our own. And, um, you know, we we had to find a church where we both went together because we were going through separate churches at the time. And 
you know, the first step for us was really allowing God to be the third knot in our marriage um, and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us, which is the hardest thing to do because God is so pure and he's so good and he's so loving. And, you know, we're human and we're not always so loving and so pure and so good. Like we're angry, we're anxious, we're mad, um, we're high level, like we're just different. And, you know, um, it got to the point in our marriage, I think this was like year three, where we had our first child and we knew that it was like one of those crossroads and it's something that I guess like only your listeners will know but my husband and I have actually had two crossroads um in our marriage um that I haven't spoken about um I haven't spoken about actually the second one but the first one was was is that moment in your relationship where you're trying to figure out if you should stay together or not mm. And it was difficult. I remember, um, you know, it's like those silent mornings where you don't mm. say good morning. I've had those. And, uh, you know, you're not necessarily disrespectful, but you don't say good morning. You just, hey. <laughs> you, you know, the text is stop. Like, the, you don't text that, that day. You don't call each other on the way home. And we were going through this period in year three, and um, – you know, I finally said, you know, I'm a social worker. Um, I have my master's in social work. And I said, you know, listen, the one thing that I do know besides God that has also worked is therapy. And I think we should go. And our baby was like five months at the time. Mm. And, you know, we asked the therapist if we could bring him. And he said, sure. And my husband's only condition was that the therapist be a black man. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's gonna be like the hardest thing to find. So we found Dr. Carr in Union, New Jersey, who's amazing, who now does virtual. Um, <laughs> Dr. Carr, C-A-R-R, he's, he's great. And he will call you out on your crap. And <laughs> we Love got it. to therapy. And, you know, after a couple of sessions, we were told um, by Dr. Carr that, like, none of our issues had anything to do with each other, but more so to do with our own unhealed trauma. And mm. we started individual therapy at that point. And we aggressively, you know, really went into therapy um, individually, marriage-wise. We also dove deep um, more into our relationship with God independently and together. You know, we, man, fast forward to like out three years after that, we really wanted to buy a house. And so we decided to, um, you know, people fast from different things. Like they'll fast from like um, foods or places that they'll visit, you know, um, every single faith has a different way that they fast. And for us, we decided to fast until we bought our house, which I mean, we did lose a lot of weight. Cause I think we fasted from like sugar, Netflix, like certain things that we just felt were impeding on our mental clarity. Okay. And, um, I think we fasted for about like seven, six, seven months, um, until we have the house that we have today. And when we moved here, what you have to understand is that like a lot of couples, when they're going through things good or bad, and they move geographically, there's this sense that it's like a new beginning and everything will be fine and everything is fixed. Mm. But that's like necessarily not always true. Mm -hmm. Because if you haven't really dealt with like the deep, deep things, then like, it's really not real. You get what I'm saying? Daisy? Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just want to know she's preaching to me weekend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and so we moved an hour and a half away from our family um, and to this town uh, about 
10 minutes from Princeton, if you guys are familiar with Princeton, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and um, this big house. And when we first bought this house, um, I asked God if this was the house for us. And he said that it would be a place of refuge. And I didn't know what that meant. And so mm-hmm. I decided to call. At the time, there were a lot of kids um, left at the border. And so I was calling the border to figure out if any of those kids had made it to New Jersey because one of their stipulations is that you have to have an additional room for them. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't in our small apartment, but I did now. And so at the time, they were leaving the kids in Camden, which was too far from where we were. So I was like, okay, fine. And we were commuting. Everything was going great. My husband's commute was very long. And, you know, work really gets to your personality. And so for the first six months, I said to my husband, you are the grumpiest person I've ever met. You're either going to change your job or like, we're not going to make it, (laughs) you know, change your job, change your attitude, or we're like not going to make it because it's your livelihood. It's our livelihood. And it's just like not going well. And so then he decided to work about maybe 20 minutes from us, um, which changed him drastically. Um, And then COVID hit. And Um, you know, when COVID hit, I had just given birth maybe three, four months before that. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the beginning of COVID, my husband and I looked at each other and said, this is going to be one of those things that either break us apart or bring us together. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, we're either the divorce rate is going to, is going to go skyrocket or people are going to stick it together. Like COVID made a lot of relationships. Here's what I will say. COVID lifted the veil for a lot of relationships that were masked and that we didn't really know who we were with. Like I felt, I really felt like COVID really exposed us. You see, like, I remember hearing a quote about like, you know, people, you don't really know who people are until X and Y, Z happen. And somebody says, no, it's actually that you just are exposed to who they really are. And so Mm. COVID really exposed who my husband and I really were. And a couple months before COVID, I was starting um, my blog at the time, which I didn't know would turn into a life coaching business. Mm-hmm. And my husband has always had this thing where he's felt re- very insecure, which is he's worked through it. He's worked through it with therapy, very insecure about his education versus my education. Mm-hmm. And you know, we always joke and say like, I'm book smart and he's street smart. Mm-hmm. And so that type of insecurity um, began to become unveiled as I started my podcast, as I started my blog. And here's the funny part, like my husband purchased my first mic for my podcast. My husband, you know, said like, I'm so happy for you and all of these things. But when you, you know, people are still people. Mm-hmm. And there were moments where my husband was like, you know, I feel kind of like, crazy that like your things are working out and like my his his hobby is racing and like my things aren't working out like your things just take so much longer and I remember like being in therapy and our therapist asking us like why do you feel like you need to be in competition with Karina Mm. why aren't you guys why aren't you guys a team like why are you guys opponents why is she like in lane one and you're in lane two like why why is that and at that point he decided again to go back into individual therapy because there was a lot of insecurities that like I couldn't fix. And I've spoken also about this on my reels that like, I can't fix everything for my husband. And it was realizing that I really needed to surrender that to God, to his therapist, because 
I couldn't figure that part out. But I knew that if he didn't figure out, figure that part out, like we were going to have to have some deep, we were going to start to have some deep issues. And I think that jealousy is one thing that we don't talk about in our marriages, in our relationships, Mm -hmm. but it, it actually really does happen. And I think that for me, I have been possibly jealous of him for not just like his engineering of things and like his perception of me is that things always work out. And my perception of him is that he gets so much more freedom than I do. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I mean, we can go for hours about this. And, um, and what I started to realize was that like, I was putting a lot of that pressure on myself because in therapy and in conversations with my husband, he was like, but I never say no. Like, and we have this rule in our house where not rule, but we have this thing in our house where it's kind of like, I'm not asking for help. We're doing this together. So like, even with our kids, like, I don't, I feel like when I ask for help, I'm going into this victim mentality where I'm telling everybody that like, this is my responsibility and I would like everybody to help me. Mm -hmm. And so we had to even change through COVID. We had to change that about our household because it really did become where like Karina was asking for help and everybody was like, wait, wait, like we're a family. Like we're supposed to do this together. Why do you feel so alone? Like, and I'm like, Oh, like that's not right. Right. Um, and I would have been really pissed off when my husband was like, I mean, I've seen so many videos of husbands being like, if my wife don't cook, if my wife don't clean. And I'm like, no, baby, this is an equal opportunity household. And <laughs> and we're going to do it together. So um, <laughs> so that was, I would say that was that was very hard during COVID where we had that that period of our marriage. And it was difficult. And mind you, I was building a business. I was still working my full-time job. And we were both raising a newborn. Um, and we made it out. And I'll say that then we reached another period, which was about a year ago, um, where my husband's career made him very unhappy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was in the car industry. And, you know, I said to him, you know, I'm the type of person that I'm like, you know, I have mentioned before, like 10 years ago, that you should probably transition out and I'll support you. And my husband's theory was always, you know, guys, they always think about like money. My husband's like, you know, the money. And I'm like, the money's good. And my husband's thing was, I was like, you know, like, keep searching, like have your, have your chess pieces ready to move. Right. Mm -hmm. I said to him, because God is doing something. I'm telling you, Um, I was working in higher ed at the moment. And I was on the public loan forgiveness plan where after 10 years of service, you get your loans forgiven. And so I was getting, getting gearing up to year 10 and I hated, I didn't hate my job. I hated my boss. Mm. And I think those are two different things. So I hate, mm-hmm. I didn't hate, hate it. I didn't hate what I did. I hated the people that managed me. I really didn't believe it. There's a lot of toxicity, a lot of racism, a lot of inequality. It was horrible. And those things were getting to me as well. And so I said to my husband, God is doing something. I feel it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And my, I was like, just get him ready. And my husband. Um, he's an, he's an, uh, has his gun permit and he would go to the gun shop by our house and talk to guys and blah, blah, blah. And they would be like, yeah, like we work for Princeton university and all this other stuff. So anyways, through prayer and through that moment, that was difficult too, because then I ended up getting my, um, the job that I have now, I transitioned to tech and in January and I kind of side-eyed my husband. Like the first thing I did was like, I got the job, your move. And my husband was like, I was like, are you ready? I told you to be ready. <laughs> and my husband was like, ah, 
okay. And he went through, he didn't transition till four months later. And those four months, I think, you know, they really affected us because um, we were transitioning time-wise in our marriage, right? Mm -hmm. So like I was commuting now, um, I was traveling now, and we were also transitioning into this period where God really put it on my heart to not judge my husband, to not remind him that he already knew what he needed to do and I needed to just wait. And I think that's like the most difficult thing to do as a wife and as a woman is to just wait. Like I hate waiting. And so I would have these conversations with God. Like I remember waking up some mornings and like looking to my left and being like, (sighs) I'm serious. Like I'm being so honest with you. Like I remember looking at my husband and being like, 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 you know, because I would get up at 430 in the morning and I would be like, and I would be like, when is he going to, when is he going to do it? Like, when is he going to do it? And God would tell me those mornings. Like, so I read, um, I read and pray in the morning before, um, I do my most of my activity mm-hmm. and so like god would settle my heart in the mornings like stop judging him because i would judge mm-hmm. him i would judge him for how long it took him like i would i would judge him and these are insecurities that he has shared with me like karina i'm so jealous of you being so fast right and here i am judging him for in my eyes being so slow right and oh. god really put it on my heart like you can't judge him like i'm working on him just the way i worked on you for 10 years and kept you in that place and he and people probably looked at you like why are you still working at that place mm. but you knew but you knew that there was a goal your husband knows also he's smart enough to know when to make the move and he's not going to make the move in January just because you got the job in January he, there's there's things that need to happen here and i didn't know what god meant but for those 4 months God wanted us to get used to our routine because our routine, Daisy, had drastically changed. Our routine was very different. I was leaving at six o'clock in the morning. I wasn't seeing my kids till I got home. Terrence was doing all of the drop-offs, all of the pickups, all of the dinners, all of the breakfasts, all of the lunches. He was doing everything. And I didn't really know or understand the weight of doing all of those things and going to his job and trying to find another job to go to because guess what? I had to I had done those things with a blink of an eye. And so for me, my belief was like, well, I can, why can't he? And it's because we're all wired differently. And if I truly fell in love with this man for who he was, and he's not just like sitting on the couch, not doing anything, but he's doing his, his, his duty as, his, as, his, as my husband, then why am I judging him? And, I, mm-hmm. and it was very like, I mean, this was recent. This was like, what, like eight, nine months ago? Like, this, it was very heavy, the judgment that I had for him. And so um, then in April, you know, God granted him the position at Princeton University, and he's there. And, you know, his, his schedule's amazing, seven to three. So he still does drop-offs and pickups and dinners, but he's not as stressed, you know, like right. mentally and stuff like that. And that, I think, was another crossroads because – um, you know, because of the judgment that existed from my part. And it was difficult to talk about. Um, but it was true, it was honest, like, I'm not perfect. And I never claim to be I make a lot of mistakes. And my relationship really didn't start out to be the highlight of why I was putting myself out there or why I was helping women. But I realized that God really orchestrated this relationship to help and um, shepherd a lot of other people and where they are in their journey. Mm, And that is exactly 
what I wanted to hear. I mean, not all of that, <laughs> like, because I didn't know, guys. Let me let me clarify. I didn't know that, but I wanted to hear the rawness behind where your faith comes in, and and that is essentially how I've viewed it, how I've seen it through what you've shared. Um, I realized that that level of impact of of what you've been able to learn just through your relationship about yourself, about your partner, about your home, about your space, your children, what works for you, right? Everything that you've tried for, right? I've been able to see that just, just a little bit of it. And, and I knew, I knew deep down is that her, her faith really is, is what, what helps her through it all. Her faith is what guides her. It's really there. That's what it is. And that's what I wanted to bring to the show today because Again, my listeners know I there was something many years ago that happened and I've never quite fully detailed it. I don't know if ever the person's family will ever come on the show um, because I want to always respect people's privacy. But it was a question. It was the one and only moment I truly, honestly questioned God. God, why? Why? Why would you let this happen? And since then, my faith just just kept losing like I just kept losing it and so to be on a journey from a year ago roughly a little over a year ago knowing that I wanted to come back to my faith knowing that I wanted to to, to search so deep right and being able to see things fall into place the moment I said God I leave it in your hands I leave it in your hands I I, I know I'm I'm getting back to that faith I know I'm leading with that. I know I'm praying and this time I'm praying intentionally. And this time I'm, I'm praying, not just for me, this time I'm praying. If anybody else is feeling this way, please help us, help us see, help, help, help me, help me, help me, help me. Right. And it's been rewarding. And I think that's where I'm, I too am able to say, and I say it with pride, like I said it from the beginning, the toughest year of my life, but I wouldn't change it for a thing. I wouldn't because of everything that I've learned from it. And and I'm not talking relationships. I'm not talking marriage. See, Karina is able to shine light on that piece of her life. And and I, I'm able to shine light on something else, right? But this is why I always say relationships is not just with marriage. There's so much involved in that. There's our children. There's other family members. There's friends. There's relationships with complete strangers at work, right? There's your relationship with your job. There's a relationship with your kitchen, a relationship with your shower time. Like there's a relationship with every single moment, right? I know my purpose in going to take a shower is to shower. I get that. But what am I doing while I'm showering? Some people are sitting under that shower to just think. Some people are listening to music. Some people are listening to a podcast. Some people are listening to a prayer. Some people are are, are, are finding out certain information at the moment. Some people just need to listen to water. You know, there's, to me, in my world, in my eyes and in my mentality, there's a relationship between you and everything and everyone else on a daily basis at any given moment. And I think intention plays a big role in that, but it's also what is helping you lead into that, what is helping you guide into that. And I've learned that in this past year. I have. And so, Karina, thank you for shining light on that because that's exactly where I wanted to be able to share with the listeners how faith has gotten you through plenty of these ups and downs 
Um, and, and of course, shining light on, like you said from the beginning, right? Our marriages, you know, we're, we're told, oh, it, it's privado, it's private. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, mm-hmm. it is. But there's so much we could learn from that. Mm-hmm. You know, I joke with my cousin, um, who's also my comadre, shout out to Diane. <laughs> She's married. <laughs> shout out to my compadre too. And we talk about, right, how she moves with her marriage, right? You know, in confianza, right? It's 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 between conversations between commanders, between cousins. Half the world doesn't need to know what my cousin shares with me. Um, and the best that I can give her advice on having been married once, having been divorced, um, what I've learned through that. See, I believe even in marriages, you're co-parenting. The only difference is some are married, some are not, right? But they're still co-parenting in a marriage, right? I co-parent. And one day I remember we laughed and we said, did our parents go through this? Because they never showed us. Like they always used to just act like it was just so private. And, you know, we joked and we said, we're deceived by our parents. Our parents were supposed to like, let us understand certain things. Or is it that they really just had like this perfect marriage because we didn't see certain things. We didn't hear certain things. And we joke a lot about that. And the truth is, it's not that they were not going through it. I just think that from what times were before and to what times are today, I think a lot of things were just not ever spoken of. I think a lot of things for us growing up, even in childhood, it's like, Usted no se meta. you don't get involved. You mind your business. That's not, you know, and I still mind my business. My parents, my parents arguments still is that I'm not involved with that. I don't want to be at war with nobody. I don't want to be in the middle. No, but I think there is an opportunity where we're able to be private and still transparent and respect, but, but with a dose of respect to our own relationships, especially in marriage, right? I think it's okay to talk about certain things and share that with other people while not necessarily allowing people to step into your relationships and your marriages specifically, or even your relationships with your children. Um, so again, Karina, uh, thank you for shining light on that with your faith and in your 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 relationship with your husband and just how it has all tied into so many moments of your life. Um, I want to lead into the double or nothing, and this is why I want to shine light on womanhood, and because you know you are here leading and guiding women, and one of the things that I realized with you through the reels through your podcast. And just hearing you over a year ago, um, no, almost a year ago, I should say, um, praying for a group, a whole floor of women, your take and your outlook on being the voice for women, for wives, for mothers, how do you decide it's okay to share these gems? It's okay to share my offerings with all these women for all these women, for your hermanas is what you called us. I remember that. You called us hermanas and that stayed with me too. Um, And you still are able to sustain your own balance for you. How are you able to do that? So when I started my business um, and I, one thing that I, I didn't share was that when I came on social media, it was actually after a two year fast from social media. So I wasn't on social media for two years when I came back on. And it was very difficult for me. And I remember, so I had worked with two social media strategists, actually, because I'm the type of woman that like, I'm at the age where I ask for help. 
Um, and I recognize that if I don't know something, I need to take a class or I need to hire somebody. I'm not going to do this crap alone. Um, I'm just not. <laughs> I love it. That's who I, that's who I decided to be. Um, once, I guess this was like 2021 20, hit. I was like, or 20, the end of 2020, I was just like, I'm not doing this stuff by myself. Um, and so w- working with those two social media strategists, you know, it's very curated. It's very um, bells and whistles. It's very like hashtag centric. It's very, you know, how to get traffic to your page and to your website. Like, and I really learned, like I have, journals and notes and I actually was going to show this in my stories but I have jam time I, I have this <laughs> notebook that says like content ideas Ooh. and it's I have like four or four or five of them and they're just like ideas and ideas and ideas of content and I was sitting Yo, here Karina's putting me to so much shame right now because I should be <laughs> with my life and all the notebooks that I have don't worry. And so I I forgot about those, but that was the life that I was living. And so when I launched my business, I was taking um, Janice's uh, Yo Quiero Dinero's um, side hustle class. And then I also mm. took Erica Cruz's TikTok class. And then I hired Kat Del Carmen as my business coach. And then I took six months later, I took Janice's um, had, had a, uh, what is it called? It's called like blog boot camp. So basically like how to monetize your blog. Um, And it was amazing. So like I am taking class after class after class. And when I launched my business and to answer your question about deciding what to share with, uh, remember that it's very like algorithm centric, like how to break the algorithm, like how to get the most views, like what to do. Right. And if you look back at my earlier content, it's, um, you know, I love music. And so it was very much a show. And I also worked for a film school. So that kind of made me a perfectionist at the time. I was praying one day about, you know, a lot of this and feeling kind of like stuck and really not knowing what direction to go into. And mind you, at the time, not that it matters, but at the time, I think I had maybe like two, 300 followers and I was praying to God about it. And God really put it heavy on my heart to not allow those numbers to define me. And I was like, yeah, but like, that's how you, that God, you want me to shepherd these women? You want me to shepherd these people? How are they going to find me if I like don't do the social media strategy that people are telling me to do? Mm-hmm. And I heard him very clearly. The Holy Spirit said, do not follow the algorithm. Okay. And it was so deep. And I was like, what? And it's interesting because I'm going to create a workshop on this. Um, hopefully, praise God, if I get it, um, called Do Not Follow the Algorithm to help other women business owners achieve um, uh, who they want to be on social media. And so I was like, do not follow the algorithm. And mind you, at the time, like I was having Drake music. I was having like all these songs that like, I love on my reels. If you look like early, early on in my reels, there's a lot uh-huh. of music and um, there's a lot of show. and he said, do not follow the algorithm. And I was like, well, if I don't follow the algorithm, then I'm doing this entire content on the whim. Like all these content journals are going to be put away and everything is just going to be on the whim. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah. And so I guess about a year, maybe a year ago, every single Daisy, I'm not even lying to you. How I decide what I share is that every 
single piece of content is on the fly. My entire social media, my podcast, everything is on the fly. Mm. From even from the the caption that you read, it's on the fly. It's all about what I feel like that day God has put on my heart to pray for and do and shepherd and give to people. There are mornings that I say, because I really don't like making content on weekends, but sometimes I feel like I, I should just do it because I have something mm -hmm. on my heart. But there are days where I wake up and it's just not a content day. It's the day that I, I it's not like I need a break, but like I, um, I just need some silence that day, right? Um, and so I'll think of something else or sometimes my stories will just not be alive for like two days. Like it's okay. All of those things are okay. So how I, how I pick and choose what I share, it's on the fly. The entire, my entire page. And if you go and look at my TikToks or my Instagram, you'll be like, how is this on the fly? This has to be curated. This has to be outlined. This has to be planned. That's exactly what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> And it's not, <laughs> it's not. So you want to talk about like double dose of raw talk. This is mm -hmm. it. Like I'm telling you, my content is as raw as it gets because mm -hmm. it's on the fly. It, every single message that you hear from me daily, God has put it on my heart to give you. And I can't tell you how many times DMs and comments I get like, you're speaking to me. Do you live with me? How do you know me? This is crazy that this showed up on my page. And I'm like, I remember um, I had gotten out the gym and I was praying about employment. And I was like, man, if people only knew my story and my journey about my job and how long I prayed for a new job. And I was like, oh, share it. That real. And it's not it's not the highest um, amount of real that I've ever gotten. But that real alone about how I prayed for a job for seven years, I think has over like 82,000 likes and over uh, 900,000 views on Instagram alone. And mm -hmm. I remember, you know, one of the things, one of my strategies, and it's not even a social, I don't know if it's a social media strategy, but it's a strategy for me, is that if we're gonna, if, if we're gonna be business owners and we're gonna be on social media, a part of that is engaging, right? Is engaging mm -hmm. with your community. And one thing mm -hmm. that you'll always see from me is I don't care how many comments they are, I go through almost every single comment and 90% of the time, I comment back. If I don't comment back, I literally delete it because it was trash, whatever you left mm -hmm. on my page, and I don't need it. Mm -hmm. People are like, what do you do with the haters? I'm like, I delete them. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's simple. It's my page. Right. It's my page. If you're right. on there slandering me, right, I'm going to delete you. <laughs> right. And then, right. like, it's very easy. It's not that hard. And I, I actually learned that from Janice. And mm -hmm. so anyways, and then. And then the rest of it, I really do engage because I care and this is our work and this is what we do. And if I spoke to you, I want to let you know that, that I understand. And so anyways, I hope that answers your question. It does. No, it absolutely does. You know, what's, what's so funny about that piece is I, I to delete comments I don't like, right? And I, if at most, I at least like the comment that you, you know, give me, I do respond as well. Um, one of the things that I want to highlight on this is that, you know, when we started this episode and I do this with everyone, I'm like, did you see, you know, the outline, right? And it's always, I always say, it's just an overview. 
And the reason why, you know, and, and I used to do this in the beginning, I used to list down questions on my agendas. I wouldn't share all the questions with the other person, not because anything was going to be of a surprise. Also, if any of my guests, if I know it's going to be a really, really complicated or probably a difficult topic, I do like to know from them, what will you not um, like to discuss? I like to respect that of people because when we have social media platforms, we already share so much. And I know that's in our ability to control and decide what we're going to share, right? And for me, you know, I, I do have my full-blown career and I do have my intentions and my goals with the space. And so the same way I believe in professional partnership in my career, I believe that here too. This is beyond just networking for me. This is me respecting Karina's gems and offerings and craft and business and knowing that if somewhere down the line, I say one day, you know what? I want to work with Karina. I want her to be able to welcome me in her business too and, and sustain that professional relationship with her and sustain that respect with her. Um, but I do, and I do, and I told Karina this in the beginning, I said, I just like everything to flow so naturally. So I like to just give like the surface of what the agenda and the outlook is going to look like as far as the topic at hand, but I don't like to have it so scripted either. So I'll jot down like three questions for myself and I'll share that with the guests. But from those three questions, I decide, okay, I'm going to probably just start the conversation with this question. I see how the conversation is flowing, right? Because this platform is raw talk, because this platform is keeping it raw, I want this conversation of two people, you know, whether I've seen them once in a lifetime, whether I've never met them before, whether I only know you virtually, I want my listeners to know just how fundamental a conversation could be and how much you could learn from two people who have never had a full-length conversation a day in their life when they truly are their true, authentic, genuine selves and they give you their raw truth. And that's exactly what I have made it a purpose to create here with my platform. I don't think many people have an opportunity for that. And I don't think a lot of people know how to do that. And so when you do have people who take the opportunity and know how to do it, we need to seize the moment. Even if it isn't a podcast episode, we need to seize that moment. Um, so thank you for, for being all the way up because I did think I was like, she hits it like right in the nose every reel. And I'm like, I want to, and you know, what's funny, right? Karina does it in like the best places, guys. Let me, uh, let me just shine light on this. This is why I'm going to, I'm going to, I always link the IG um, page, right? Of, of my guests. Karina could be waiting for, it's your train, right? You wait for Hell the train. Hell yeah, it's my train. <laughs> Hell yeah. The, look look at the, la the last reel, not, or maybe the second to last reel. You actually see the train pulling train. up behind me. It's, <laughs> I have many reels where the train's like, beep. And I'm like, you understand? Yeah. And then I'm like, I got to go. And then I'm running. I'm running for the train. Literally, I'm about to send Nike and New Balance and all of these yes. sneakers that I wear a brand partnership collab email because they save my life every morning that I have to run up those stairs to catch my mm -hmm. train. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. waiting for my train or sweating yeah. after the gym in my car. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it, it gives me life. It gives me life. I'm not going to lie to you. I had for, remember I said I had a whole environment of a workplace that just was not healthy for me. 
And one of the things I noticed, and you guys are going to think this is crazy, and I'm, I'm so happy you highlighted this because, yeah, I swear, this is not like a stalker thing. It's not. I swear, Karina, I swear, please. <laughs> it's it's when you be intentional with who you follow, right? Mm-hmm. And and what you notice about their surroundings and, and, and what makes them happy, because that helps for me. That has helped me realize, you know, I need to tap in. I need mm-hmm. to realize, you know, um, I want to give her a shout out. I had her here as a guest and I always say I'm manifesting working with her. Mm-hmm. Julie Jameson. Mm-hmm. Um, we do your room. Mm-hmm. I, I believe I said it right. Mm-hmm. I have kept her in my mind and I follow her and that still doesn't mean I'm never going to work with her. I've been said I'm going to work with her because I know, I know, and I know, and I manifest this and I'm going to say it here today because you, you just said something that made such a difference. I'm going to be a homeowner. I'm going to get my home. With the way I look Amen. at it, at the Amen. angles I look at it, and how I'm preparing for that, with what you said earlier about the journey to getting your home, it feels so familiar. It just feels so familiar with so many things, right? And I know that's going to be the moment I'm going to be able to work with Julie um, when it's time to intentionally prepare my what's going to be my home with with deep down inside de- de- decor, right? Um, but one of the things I noticed about you and, and it brought me back to a space is the fact that you have acknowledged running for your train with your sneakers, right? And I realized, no, this is, I swear to God, guys, you're probably going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Could you believe that it was extremely rare in the most unhealthiest job ever that I had for a whole year that I never went to work with sneakers on. Wow. It was paining me and hurting me to get to work. And I realized I would never wear the sneakers. But when I was at the job before that for six years, I was like a boss in those sneakers, going to work, running to do this, running to do that. And, and it was six long years. And now that I started this new job, I'm back to going to work in sneakers. And you know what I realized? Wearing the sneakers is not just about the comfort. I realize for me in particular, I associate the wearing of the sneakers when I am in my best moment. And that is when I'm wearing my sneakers to go work out. Yeah. I'm in my best moment in that mindset. I I associate the gearing up Mm -hmm. is what what is when you think about grounding and you're Mm -hmm. you're grounded in that Mm -hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. So when I get to the office, people are like, you, you, I, we hear your heels and you're coming. Yes. I wear my heels at work because for me, that is my grounding moment in my heels in the workspace. But when I'm out that door and I'm changing the mindset, mm-hmm. I realize I go back into the sneakers. And for me, the sneakers mm. have really given me that sense, a deep down sense. I'm still at work, but I'm working forward towards everything else. Mm. it's getting to work it's gonna go cook it's gonna go do my workout it's gonna go journal it's gonna go write yeah it, it's all of that um all right because we shine so much light on this um the overdose it's gonna be real short and sweet i want to take this moment at an overdose to tell karina um that i thank her so much here's when we share something that we're overjoyed with or over it but because this moment has been so truthful to me i want to thank you um, graciously for coming on this platform and sharing your word and your gems and on an overdose I'm going to encourage everyone so please go follow Karina please go see her offerings and her gems Amen. Um, 
this this has been a moment for me and I am truly grateful for you for doing this for me. I'm so grateful. No, Daisy, I'm grateful for you allowing me to come into your space and do this. And Mm -hmm. this has been so good to have this talk early in the morning. I'm a morning. Daisy asked me what time I said Sunday mornings is the only time I record with other people. So I've, (laughs) I know I've shut down so many other recordings. I just can't. Um, but what I will say is I, I really do want to thank you. It's been such a pleasure just being with you and hearing all these stories. And this is just such a different podcast. I love it. I love it so Mm -hmm. much for how it's framed and Listen, if you're at a point in your life where you feel lost, where you feel like you don't know where to turn and you really want your life back, um, then book a sales call with me. Go to the link in my bio. Um, You can find me there at Karina F. Daves or on TikTok at Karina F. Daves or go to my website, Karina F. Daves. It's all Karina F. Daves, okay? It doesn't change. Um, My podcast is One Day at a Time. You can listen to it on Apple iTunes. My last episode is called I'm Still, in capital letters, Married, where I share the gems on like how I'm still married Um, (laughs) and after a decade. So look out for that. And this has been so good to collab with Daisy. I've had such a great time and thank you everybody. Thank you so much. Daisy. Everything will be on the show notes. And as always guys, this has been another week and another episode on double dose of our talk podcast. I am your host Misty and you guys will tune in next week. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And we are live on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Make sure to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to subscribe, rate, and review. Talk to you later. Bye.